there, I'm Kathy Cooper, and this is Loss and Found, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am always grateful for your presence. I know I say that every week, but it really um, humbles me to know that you tune in each week to, to listen to the show. If this is your first time as a listener, hey, welcome. This is a show where I really do my best to cover all types of loss and um, what is found in them. That is a really important part of loss, an important part of the show. And it's really not a doom and gloom hour, you know, because we always have some humor mixed into the insights. So I really encourage you to just sit back and relax and uh, join for the the next hour. We have some fabulous guests and a great topic that we're going to be getting into here in a moment. I do want to remind you that loss and found is now uploaded as a podcast. So I have uploaded it so you can download it through your uh, favorite podcast site. And of course, you can always go to 1150kknw.com and download it that way. As you listen to the show, you know, if you you have any questions, any comments, uh, any perspective that you would like to share, you know, just email me, lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com. That's lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com. You can also visit my face page, Facebook page, Lost and Found Seattle, uh, to share any kind of thoughts or comments, perspective. I really do welcome that. Any of you uh, try out some of the mindfulness or presence techniques that I mentioned last week? And if you did, I would love to know how that went. Um, I have to tell you, I was really given some insight this weekend into how important my morning meditations are in keeping me even keeled or even, I should say, keeping me sane. Thursday and Friday uh, last week, I wasn't able to do my meditation before I went off to work. And even Saturday when I got up, I was out of the habit and I just felt I felt like an emotional mess. I I felt really off, and I, at one point, just felt like I was going to cry. So what that really reminded me is how important and how powerful it is to take some moments and just be present um, and go back into, as I was saying about the, the breathing and how being mindful can help regulate your emotions. It is really for real. And just a a quick refresher, you know, you breathe already, so um, just slow down your breathing and take deeper breaths in. Those are, uh, that's something you can do to really get yourself focused, to to bring yourself um, to a state of peace and to regulate your emotions. So just four counts, breathe in deeply, let the counts go out, four, breathe, um, let them out that way. And it is really a powerful way to get yourself centered. Another thing that we did talk about was mantras and the importance of that. I did not forget to say my mantra, though, which is I am happy, healthy, and whole. And I hope that you all maybe came up with your own mantra uh, to get you through the day. And remember, they are so important because you are declaring something. When we say I am and whatever comes after that, you are training your mind to believe it. So if we say I am happy, healthy, and whole, I'm training myself to believe that. If I say I am feeling irritated, I am feeling sick, I am feeling scattered, 
You know, if I'm saying that throughout the day, that is what I'm going to end up being. So even if you don't believe it right now, choose a mantra, keep stating it over and over. Those positive things will occur in your life. And research really does prove that these things uh, work, that our thoughts become things when we say it over and over in our mind. And when we are grieving, it is so important to have just a few things in your pocket to help you get through your day. Of course, I covered several other techniques last week. So if you want to hear those, um, you can, uh, again, you can download the podcast. It's uh, Lost and Found on 1150kknw.com. All right, let's get to the show. Question, are you a pet lover? Specifically, a dog lover. Are you someone who has always had a dog? Myself, I grew up with him. Uh, Throughout my childhood and teen years, we always had a dog and we always had a dachshund. My mother loved dachshunds. I remember when, (laughs) when I was just little... My dad, uh, I can see really clear, I must have been about three or four, one of my earliest memories, and he was painting our house uh, white, and he had stopped to and went around the side of the house, and I just had this fabulous idea come into my head. So I thought, I'm going to act upon it. So I picked up the paintbrush, I called our dog Oscar over, and decided that maybe he needed to be painted. So I painted my brown dog Oscar white, and... I don't remember what kind of trouble I got into. I just remember that when I was holding on to him and I'm painting him, I'm getting it all over myself, all over him. And when my dad came back around the side of the house, I just remember that he didn't think it was such a fabulous idea. But um, but at the time, hey, you know, it was a good thing. And I don't even remember how we cleaned him up. Um, I think some of it had dried and we had to, like, shave some of him. So wasn't the best idea that I had, but uh, at the time, thought it was really, really great. I can, I myself can only think of two times in my life when I didn't have a dog, and that was when I was going to college, and then when I was going to graduate school. Otherwise, I've always had at least one dog, if not two, and I actually, preparing for this show, I added up how many dogs I've had throughout my life, and I have had 12 dogs three who currently are alive. I've had four cats, and all of those have died. And, you know, that's a lot of death. That is a lot of grief. Um, yet, you know, there it's also a lot of love and a lot of fun times. You know, is that how you all feel? We know when we have a pet, it is going to die. And nine times out of ten, we go and get another pet, you know, because it's worth it, right? You know, the greeting that you get when you come home, the cuddles that they give, that built-in alarm that, you know, tells you when it's time to eat and, hey, it's 7 o'clock time for my snack bone. You know, maybe that's just my house, but that's how we roll. The dogs kind of let me know uh, what time it is in the morning and what time it is at night. So owning a pet, you know, with all of its love and with all of its fun, it is going to bring a deep sadness as well. And, And when we own a pet, You know, we are, in fact, putting ourselves in a position to experience great pain. And why? Why do we do that? Because with anything in life, what we love is worth the pain we feel once it's gone. 
what we love is worth the pain we feel once it is gone. And when we come back from break, we are going to meet a couple ladies who epitomize that statement. I am Kathy Cooper. This is Lost and Found. We will be right back. Yes, I understand that every life must end. As we sit alone, I know someday we must go. What's your story? Have you ever sat with that question and looked to your heart for the answer? It's time to explore the real you. Tune in Thursdays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. for the brand new show, Story You, with Coach Debbie. Debbie and her guests have a mission to inspire and coach you to find your voice. If you need direction, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. If you want to be an author, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. and be inspired. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. And to count on both hands the ones I love. Some folks just have one, yeah, the others they got none. Huh, huh. And we are back. I am Kathy Cooper. You're listening to Loss and Found, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. As I said before the break, uh, what we love in life is worth the pain we feel once it's gone. And today, my guests, they really do um, epitomize that statement because day after day, they put themselves in a position to experience great love and great pain, and it's all in respect to dogs, senior dogs to be exact. Today, my guests uh, have Judith Piper. She is the Director of Veterinary Services and Dog Manager of Old Dog Haven. And Beth Carroll, she is a foster parent with Old Dog Haven. Thank you, ladies, for being here today. Judith, let's start with you. Tell us um, a little bit about what Old Dog Haven is, how it began, that type of thing. Okay. Um, The short answer is we're a network of permanent foster homes caring for Western Washington's homeless dogs for the rest of their lives. And the, we define senior as eight years old or over, but in truth, most of ours are much older. 
And we started 15 years ago when my husband and I were asked by a friend to take an old dog who had been abandoned, adopted out, was about to lose her adoptive home, wasn't doing well, and could we take her? And we said, well, yeah, sure. Mm. And she did so well for a short period of time. It wasn't long, but she was really, really happy to have a home. Um, And we said, boy, this was good. And then there were two more that came from the same friend. You know, friends often (laughs) like to pawn things off on you. If it works once, it'll work again. (laughs) Absolutely. They see a sucker coming. Um, And both those were very old dogs who were turned into shelters at a very old age. Um, Similar stories to what we see now. And we took them, and then they lived for a while, and they died, and we were sad to see them go, but said, boy, I'm really glad they were here and not dying in a shelter alone. Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other and said, you know, I think this is a need, and it was the right time in our life and the right place in our life. Our, our physical setup was good for it. Somebody needs to do this. These dogs shouldn't be dying alone in shelters um, at the very end of their life, being loved by someone and then abandoned. And, you know, when you see the need in front of you and you think you can do something about it, we said, okay, we will. And we certainly didn't expect to be where we are now, which is um, the organization has, let's see, um, 330-some dogs today in our care and 232 foster homes all over western Washington. And it's a big deal. And that if anybody told me that's how this was going to end, I would have laughed in their face. But you know, things happen for a reason. And this was something we could do. And it's badly needed. I don't think we had any idea how much it's needed. You know, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. No, go for it. Um, so that was one of those interruption times that I refer to. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was looking at, you know, how many millions of dogs are euthanized in, in the country and such a huge amount of them are seniors. And, you know, just the fact that a dog is considered a senior at, at seven and eight years old. But um, I love the fact that, you know, something had to come into your life to get you to <laughs> to to step up and take over and look at the amount, you know, how many dogs, their lives that, that you are affecting. Um, why is it, in your mind, do you feel that senior dogs, it would be good if folks would give them a look instead of constantly going for the puppies and the really young dogs? What do do senior dogs have to offer folks? I think it's the best time of their life. If you can make it physically comfortable for them, their souls are wonderful. um, They are so loving, so grateful to have the attention, so loyal, so devoted. They don't ask very much. it's a whole different thing than having a puppy. It's a whole different thing. But I think most people for a long time felt, oh, my goodness, they're going to be very expensive, which they can be. That's a serious consideration. That's very real. Mm-hmm. But the other part is people say, you know, it's the lost thing again. I don't think I can stand to love this dog and lose him right away. And that's valid, except for what you're saying. There, there's a great deal that you gain from loving these dogs. And my husband and I tend to take in the really, really short-term ones, the dogs we know won't live very long at all, sometimes just for a few days. I've had a few that have been just a few hours. Um, And those are hard. But I think you've 
you're still doing something and you're still glad you know them. All these dogs that have been through our house now, I'm I'm so glad I had them in my life. You know, you learn something from all of them. You get all this love. I mean, they, they give back far more than we give them, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I, what... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I do want to say, though, I don't think it's for everyone. I, you have to have the right situation to take care of, of an old dog. And by that, I don't mean an eight-year-old, but an old dog. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And not everybody's life is arranged that way right then. And it is expensive often. Um so it's not for everyone, but I do think recently, and I'm, I'm, I flatter myself that I think ODH has had a good deal to do with bringing um, popular attention to the plight of senior dogs and to the fact that they're really cool creatures and you might like to have one. So they're being adopted much more frequently from from shelters than they were, mm-hmm. at least in in our area for sure. And there's been a lot of national attention to it also, but it but I go back to it has it has to work in your life or or it's not fair to you or the dog. And that that's a good um little segue to to bring Beth you into the the conversation. What prompted you to become a foster parent and how, you know, what was working in your life to make that happen? Well, that's a really good question, Kathy. Um you know, when I was in college, I adopted a four-year-old uh, Japanese chin that was saved from euthanasia. His name was uh, Mickey, and um, he was just a sweet, funny little guy. And we already had a, a one-and-a-half-year-old Bichon um, Shih Tzu, Bella, who's still with us. She just turned 14 um, oh. this weekend. Wow. Um, and we had Bella and Mickey, and Mickey always had... Um, complicated health issues. Um, I I jokingly referred to Mickey as my million-dollar dog, you know. (laughs) Um, In a lot of my early 20s and into my 30s, Mickey's health care was the prime focus of my finances and my life decisions and making sure that he was cared for and we had everything that we needed for him, um, including, at the end of his life, a dog nanny. We had a wonderful um, dog sitter who would come in and every day she would feed him lunch and give him medicine and change his belly band and diaper and and take him outside and um, you know our life revolved around making sure that Mickey and Bella and um, Emmett, a 13 year old that I adopted, you know had everything that they needed and when you have a high maintenance dog or a special needs senior. Um, you know, you just develop a routine around their care, and it just becomes part of your daily life. Mm-hmm. It just becomes normal. Um, and when we were coming up on the end of Mickey's life, um, you know, I looked at my best friend, my roommate, and I said, you know, we can do this. And there's this wonderful organization I've been following on Facebook for a couple of years called Old Dog Haven. And, you know, they pay for all the medical care. For the life of the senior, but they stay with you for the rest of their life. You're their permanent foster home, and all the medical is taken care of. Anything prescription is taken care of. And we applied to be a foster, and I said, don't worry. It will take a while for, for them to go through all the paperwork. And a couple days later, I got the phone call, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she said, you told me that's going to take a while. I said, well, it did. there's a need. There's a need. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And, um, you know, we, we welcomed our first foster, Esther, a blue healer mix. 
um, who was completely blind and liver failure into our home. And it just, it just became another member of the family. Mm-hmm. So basically, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, it is like anything else. You will have a routine centered around it. And it, it sounds like when there is a routine and you have some support, it, it isn't, you know what, I can hear, I can see that a listener is going like, why would you take that on? You know, you're going to get a nanny for your dog. You're going to, you know, do all of these things. But when it comes down to it, you know, we're looking at it as a, a beautiful life that deserves to have love centered around them during a difficult time. And I think that's maybe the difference between, you know, pet lovers and folks that are don't maybe don't get it as much. Um, and I say that respectfully. But it comes down to the joy that the dog gets, but then the joy that it sounds like, Beth, if you continue to do this, and Judith, you're running this, you know, you're continually getting joy out of having these dogs in your homes. Most definitely. You know, for me, it's, I adopted Mickey when he was young and, well, somewhat healthy, and I made a commitment to him. I made a commitment to him that I was going to love and take care of him for the rest of his life. And um, that's the commitment I take seriously for each dog I adopt and foster for Old Dog Haven. And, you know, a lot of our seniors that are coming to us, that commitment was broken in one way or another Mm -hmm. um, for financial reasons, for death of a family member, um, for health reasons, you know. Whatever the story is, at the end of the day, the story ends the same. Yes. They they ended up without a home, with medical issues, and at the senior in a shelter. Um, And so as a foster, I take that commitment seriously, that for however much time we have, for how little or how much, they're going to be loved and taken care of to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you get great reward out of that back to you. Um, Judith, when, when a, someone wants to potentially be, um, a foster family, what do you, do you look, you know, like what if they have lots of kids or what, what kind of a situation for listeners, um, out there that are thinking, Hey, I might want to look into this. What is kind of the, the process and what is it that you're looking for in families to provide uh, a home? Well, we have a, a good deal of information that's on our website to help you think through whether you could really do this or not, mm-hmm. whether it's something you're you're up to. And then we go through an application. We talk to you on the phone. We do a home visit. We The, the situation that's needed is someone who can have, can have humans around the dog a good deal, at least when they're first um, taking them in, because so many of our dogs will have separation anxiety yeah, in the beginning, and their whole world has turned upside down, and they don't know you're coming back because the last person didn't. Um, yeah, Young children are usually not a good match, by which I mean six and under. It, there's an exception every so often, but very often our dogs are becoming deaf, they're losing their vision, they don't move around very quickly, and they can be really frightened by little kids. Um that's like I say, there are always exceptions, mm-hmm. but in general, not. We it's hard to work full time and have one of our dogs. Although, if you are the kind of people as Beth and Jamie are that simply find a way to split their shifts and <laughs> and have someone mm-hmm. home all the time, and you know, and and everything 
everything works around the dogs, then it can work. There's quite a variety of different um, kinds of people that do this, but I think having the time for the dog, being able to get to vet visits regularly, being close enough to the vets that can take care of the dogs, um, that sort of thing is important. If you have a lot of stairs, it needs to be a small dog you can carry probably because the big guys so often aren't able to do a lot of stairs as they get old. There, There's a lot of complex things we go through. And I think your, um, your emotional ability to deal with it, the first time you go through losing one of these dogs is often difficult. We do a lot of support. I mean, I spend a lot of time with people when we're coming up to the decision time, but it's hard every time. And if you're one who has only lost one pet in your lifetime and it was devastating, this isn't the right thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you loved very deeply and said, I'm really glad I knew that animal and I'm really glad that I've shared my life and I think another one, I'd like to pass that love along to another one, then we would certainly love to talk with you. We always have more dogs in need than we have homes for, always. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, and, and Beth, because, Beth, how many how many dogs have you had um, working with Old Dog Haven that, that have died? Um, I've lost two fosters for Old Dog Haven. Um, Esther, my blue healer, passed away the day before Christmas um, this year. Um, and that was a really hard loss. Um, and I lost, Benjamin Button two weeks ago. So um, he was my second foster for Old Dog Haven. And, you know, each loss doesn't get easier, but um, it's just a gift, a gift of time for however much time we have together to get to know them and to love them and to care for them and to watch their personalities develop and blossom and watch them relax into the, the family and the pack and, and, and really become themselves again. So that's, can you be more specific on that? Because I think that's what, you know, talking in general terms about, you know, they love you and, you know, and they become their personality. Can you give some specifics and, and just give um, the audience uh, an insight view of, you know, one of the dogs that, that passed or even someone that you have right now and just how the change that you have seen because of, the love that you are giving them and the security that you're giving them? Well, Esther, Esther, our first foster, um, she came to us because she had been found as a stray um, and adopted out and then returned to the shelter due to the um, some health issues that she had going on. And when she came home to us, um, she was blind. She was completely blind. She'd gone blind in the shelter and she was in a new, new home with new people and um, we saw Mickey. Mickey was in his final days with us, um, and then I had a a deaf and somewhat blind sheep Shih Tzu, Emmett, and then we had Bella, who was an alpha, and Esther was also an alpha, and um, dynamics were different, and she was overwhelmed, um, and it was a rough transition for for all of us, but Judith actually helped us through. Uh, without her, we wouldn't have made it, honestly, um, and you know, over the course of establishing a new routine, making sure that Esther ate um, in a room away from everyone else while they ate, and going for 
two, three, sometimes more little walks a day to help Bella and Esther establish, you know, mm-hmm. who's really the boss. It would be <laughs> me, not either of you. Um, <laughs> you know, she just blossomed, and she actually turned out to be just the funniest little girl. Well, not so little, 44 pounds, but just the funniest girl who loved to patrol her yard, find all the birds that she could find, um, sniff everything that she could sniff. She was a master digger up of garden. garden. <laughs> she loved to dig a good hole and lay in it. And no matter how many times I filled them in, she'd dig it up again. So I just stopped. And, <laughs> you know, in about a year, she regained her vision. And um, Judith called her our miracle dog. Um, and all of a sudden, she was playing fetch in the yard. She was rolling down this big, we had a big hill in our yard. Our, our yard was a little over half, a quarter acre. Um, and she would roll on her back down the yard and then run around and play fetch. And it was just like she was a puppy again. And um, right before she passed, her vision went away. She went blind again. But watching her have those few months mm-hmm. of joy was the most rewarding gift that I could have had, you know, for everything that we we did together. Um, watching her play and be happy and feel loved and give love in return, that was the most rewarding. And for Benjamin Button, when, when I picked up Benjamin Button from the shelter for Old Dog Haven, he was a mess. Um, you couldn't touch him without him screaming. Uh, he didn't like to be handled. Mm. He bit my nose the very first day I had him because, um, of course, I tried to kiss his head. You know? <laughs> um, and he was just a fearful, frightful little thing, a little mm-hmm. ball of energy who, due to his luxating patella, his bad knees, he hippity-hopped everywhere he went. And it took two years um, to gentle him and to have him seek out affection and want to just lay in your arms all day. And, uh, and, and that was, that was a true gift, watching him change from that frightful little beast to yeah. <laughs> just the most cuddling love bug that you could imagine. And I think that's when I, you know, obviously as a, as a dog lover, I, I always rescue. I, I did have, um, and my mom would have dachshunds, but as an adult, I did have a collie once full uh, full blood collie, but otherwise I've always adopted. And, and even with this last dog, um, my little Baxter, who is the personality, like when you're, when you're talking, I, I remember when I first got him, I didn't think that he could wag his tail. It was a year before he wagged his tail. And I think it was because he had been returned three times back to the rescue. And I'm sure he was just waiting for the final shoe to fall. Like, when am I going back? And then I remember the day that he went over and he got a toy and he looked at me and he wagged his tail. And then from then on, it was just his personality just blossomed. And and I think that's what we we forget is, you know, so many of these dogs in shelters and especially the older ones, you know, we forget their circumstances of maybe they were owned and they were a great dog and someone has died and now there's no one to care for them. You know, not all dogs that are in rescues are bad dogs. But just how the personality, when, when you're talking about that, just the love and the stability brings out their personality and brings them, it makes them alive. When I think 
what I'm hearing you say, Beth, is the love that you give them, obviously they're giving it back, but you're seeing them come alive. So true, Kathy. You know, watching their personalities develop and, you know, it takes a couple weeks for them when they're in the home to kind of settle in and get used to everything. And their personality starts to come out a little bit, but, you know, in a couple months or six months or a year in, that's when you really get to know them. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky enough to spend that much time with your foster, um, you know, they really do blossom. They really do. So, so Judith, when someone is is choosing to do this and they're going to be going through their first death experience as, as a foster, what is it that you that you can do or how is it that you support them? I think the audience might, you know, how, how am I going to be supported if I do this when it gets to the really tough time? So what is out there that, that you do for them? Well, I'm available pretty much all the time, and I try to, to go through all the options. I have a great handout on the joys of life for dogs that has been really helpful to me in trying to evaluate whether this is just an old dog who's going through the end end stage of his life but isn't un, isn't ready to leave his body yet mm, or mm-hmm. whether it's time. And I think that's a very hard decision for people sometimes. After you've done it as many times as I have, it seems more obvious, but it's not obvious all, all the time. And I think it's, I think going through my little scale of, of what joys did your dog have and, um, how many of them is he still able to be joyful in is a very important one. I do a lot of talking. I talk with the vets. I talk with them. I try to, to say, you know, you're going to have the decision in the end, but here's my thinking, and I'll support you either way, but I, I hope you'll think about this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it, and I check on them afterwards, um, you know, try to, to let them know I'm, thinking through it with them. If it's a dog that needs to have a home euthanasia, I can usually get that arranged. Um, There's a lot of things like that. And I tend to end up gently urging people that a day too soon is way better than a day too late. And I think all of us learn that with one specific dog that we can remember. Yes. Yes. My husband and I will see Victor's face always every time we go through one of these decisions, but you never get it completely past second-guessing mm-hmm. yourself and mm-hmm. wondering whether, oh, am I doing the right thing or not. The dogs will tell you if you listen, um, but but we want to keep them with us, and I think that's the hard part for us, all of us, is to try to say, am I making the decision for myself or for the dog's best interest? And that's what I try to guide them through. So we do a lot of talking. Well, you know, and and actually, if if you could be uh, specific about your scale, because I know there must there's likely listeners out here who either are going through while is it time, or will be doing that obviously at some point. When you were saying, you know, kind of like the harder days and easier days, or, or what is it that that folks can specifically look for to help them make that decision? Um. I'm not so much a fan of the when the bad days outnumber the good. I don't think there should be really bad days. I but you have to look at it from the dog's point of view of whether it's a bad day or not. Um, you want to look at are they at what they're getting out of their life. 
I think they can tolerate pain probably better than they can tolerate not wanting to eat, Mm -hmm. um, not being able to move around if that's what they've been used to doing. Some dogs are used to being carried around, you know, but those who who like to move, if they can, can no longer do that, if they aren't able to be with the people they want to be with, if they aren't able to spend time with their dog friends, if they have dog friends, um, certainly if they're feeling uncomfortable all the time or painful. But I think um, at that point, if they're painful all the time, you know it and it's way past time if they're painful all the time, you know, a lot. I, I think people will often say, well, they're still eating. Well, are they eating with enthusiasm? Yeah. Do they still in, enjoy their meals? Do they look forward to their meals? Do they drive you crazy until you feed them? Do they want treats? You know, all those sort of things. Once they start getting very picky and, oh, I only eat on, you know, in the morning mm-hmm. sometimes, and, oh, only if it's something that you've just made special for me, all those sort of things are telling you, I don't feel good. And I think that is those things are so natural in dogs, yes. you know, that a dog who stops wanting to eat or stops wanting to move around is telling you. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just hard for us sometimes to to admit it to ourselves, you know. We love them. We'd keep them forever if we could. That is truth. And um, I've, I've been in... Uh, I've had a few experiences where I had, you know, I, I kept my mouth quiet, but in my heart I was saying, oh, it is really time for this to take place. And, you know, I have to respect when the person isn't ready to, to do so, you know, when it is within their, their own time, and that, that can be really, really difficult. Um, so I'm, gl- I'm glad that you've got some specific ways because I think that's really, um, a lot of folks really struggle with that. Uh, is it too soon or, you know, when yeah. when does it need to happen? And uh, so thank you. Thank you for sharing, for sharing that part. So Beth, I have oh, go ahead. one other, uh, I have one other thing that I use for my own oh, yeah. decisions is since we do this a lot, you know, we'll, we, we go through this way too much. Um, if I look at the dog and in the pit of my stomach, I say, Oh, I think it's time. It is. And I don't, second guess myself and I don't let anybody talk me out of it Um, and I think that's important to listen to your Mm -hmm. gut about Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. because I think your gut does pick up what the dog is telling you yes good point that is a good point yes if we would listen to ourselves and it it's our heart that's that's the heart the heart is listening then our head starts to take over and argue with us and so yes okay that's that's good advice. Thank you very much for that. So Beth, what is um, what is it that you're kind of learning about yourself through this? What are you, um, you know, like grieving and just who you are? How, how is this? How is this kind of changing you? Well, you know, I've always been afraid of loss. I've always been afraid of losing someone that I love, of losing a family member or losing a pet. Um, and in the past year, I've lost five loved ones, including my dad. Um, oh, wow. And I've learned that I'm stronger than I thought I was. And until you're kind of put through a, a situation, um, or through a tough time, you don't realize the strength that you have inside of you. 
and the capability to um, go through that mm-hmm. grief, go through that loss, go through that depression, and to go through all the, the, the feelings, sorrow, everything inside of you and still find the joy. Um, yeah. And being with these senior dogs helps me live in the moment, helps me realize that each day really is a gift. It's not just another Monday or it's not just another Friday or it's not just a weekend. Each day is 24 hours of a gift. And what you choose to use those hours for, you know, that tells the story of your life. And for each day that I have with these dogs, it's not just another day, oh, I got to rush home from work and feed them dinner and give medicine and trim nails and clean the ears. It's Today I get to come home and see Chia. Today I get to come home and see Luella. Today I get to come home and see Ellie and Bella and Henry and Benjamin and Esther and Mickey and Emmett and Tuggerby. You know, I get to come home and see all my loved ones and make each moment special with them. And it helps me to remember to focus on the positive and, uh, you know, experience the good and the bad. Um, there's the analogy that I like that grief is like a box, a ball in a box. I don't know if you've heard of that, Kathy. Um, and some days the box is a little bit smaller and the, the ball's hitting the sides and the pain welds up inside of you. And some days the box is a little bit bigger and the ball is a little stiller inside of it. And you don't feel mm. it as much. Mm-hmm. But um, it's remembering that when that ball is bouncing all over that box and you're really in those emotions to experience them for what they are and to accept them and to let it wash over you and then to focus on the joy again because there's always going to be joy if you look for it. That was beautifully said. That was really beautifully said. And I'm sitting here going, wow, animals are teaching you and now, I mean, have taught you and now teaching all of us that are listening to you about being present and the importance of of life and the gift the gift of time and being with someone, you know, being with your animals. That, that is amazing. That is, that is amazing. So basically you loving these animals and having them in your life has taught you, like you said, I, I can't take anything for granted. That's a powerful lesson to learn that a lot of folks wouldn't think that a dog probably would be able to teach you. Hmm. Yeah. That was beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you. So that so how does that affect then the relationships that you have with with humans, your humans in your life? Do you find that your relationships are different with your human folks? This might if you don't want to answer, I mean if that's going too deep or in a direction you don't want to go, just let me know. But um do you find that your relationships are different with the humans in your life because of what you have learned through taking care of the dogs? I try to be. I know I've I've gotten a lot closer with my mom this past year and um I try to take, you know, appreciate my friendships for the gifts that they are. Um, I've lived with my best friend since we were 17, Jamie, um, and I couldn't foster these dogs without her. And, um, you know, I try to, I try to be more mindful of making sure that they know that I do love and care about them. Mm-hmm. I can be a quieter person. I'm usually, um, I'm pretty shy. Um, I focus all my time and attention on the dogs. And so it can be easy to 
um, forget to check in with friends and loved ones. Um, so this past year, I've, I've tried to be better about that. Um, and I think it's something that continues to grow in me and that I will continue working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Judith, do you, have you found that working with these animals has kind of helped you, um, kind of have some realization as Beth did about, you know, the present moment and we can't take anything for granted, that type of thing? You know, I, not, I've learned that having love around you matters a great deal. The dogs just give love. Mm -hmm. I've learned that you need, that I need to be much more clear about what I expect from them, expect from myself. Lots of self-control that you have to learn if you're going to work with animals. Um, I think it's made me a lot more patient with how I deal with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's given me a very strong realization that all creatures die, and and that I mean that that's what's going to happen. The question is how, what what kind of a of a life can you have before that that really matters? Um, and yeah. I I wish I would be as good a person as my dogs are. Good dogs. <laughs> I wish I could learn more from them. You know they 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 accept things so well. They, I, I, you see that a lot. You know, you have as many. We've had probably 500 dogs through our house in these 15 years, and it, 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 they come in, and they just adjust. They don't ask very much. They just adjust at a time in their life when they should be completely basket cases by what's happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, humans, mm-hmm. humans would not adjust this easily. I wish I could be more like that. There's a great deal we could learn from our dogs. Um, and it's it teaches you to love back. I think that's that's a really good thing. Yeah, that is truth. And you know, just looking at the way dogs look at you, you know, they get so excited to see you. Is there anything better than coming home and just having your animals? You know, just it's like you've been gone for a hundred years. <laughs> And sometimes that feels really good to go home and think that my dogs have <laughs> have missed me so desperately and I've only been gone just a few hours. So um, there is the, the love that, that we give. And and I think that that's, that's such a, a, an important part for, for folks. You know, I would like to, to make the distinction that when you're, you know, a senior dog, there's still a lot of, of life and love that they can have. And, and I think with behaviors, I, I'm assuming... Like some some of your dogs, if they're um, they're not extremely ill, they're they're likely pretty well behaved. Is that is if someone would consider wanting to maybe look into to um, working with you all and or and considering that, describe the typical senior dog that you might. Or is there a typical senior dog, Judith? No, <laughs> no. Okay, they're all, they're all different. We have so many. We have everything from four pound chihuahuas that were always grandma's dog to dogs that have been in puppy mills probably at some point, to, you know, 12-year-old Labradors that are getting stiff and sore and, and okay. but are otherwise pretty healthy. It, it's a huge difference. I think what you, you have to be prepared if you take on a dog 
an old dog from a shelter, which is our our yes. population, mm-hmm. that you may get a dog who needs to be reintroduced to housebreaking because he may well have lived with grandma who stopped taking him out. Okay. Um, yeah. That That's probably a third of the dogs we get have come from grandma in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and very often that's how it happens. It doesn't mean that they won't relearn, but you're going to have to go through it again. There's going to be all sorts of digestive upsets because so much has happened to change, all that sort of thing in the beginning. Many of them just walk in and say, oh, I've been here all my life, but you're still going to have to show them a new routine, mm-hmm. get them into a clear routine. Um, they'll need to go out more frequently than a younger dog in most cases, not all. I have one who goes out three times a day, and he must be 100 years old in two years. Mm-hmm. Um that you know you have to be prepared for that but very often once they know they're there and they're safe and all the stress of the last period in the shelter has gone away they just become part of the family yeah yeah. um it, it just but it's like living you know it's like an older person they'll have more aches and pains they'll have more medication that needs to be given mm-hmm. they'll more treatments they'll need to go to the vet more frequently um all that sort of thing but that gets easier as it goes. The hardest thing, for, you know, the hardest, big challenging time for us is maybe the first month that you've got a dog because that's when you go through all the, the medical things and try to get it all sorted out. And um, once they're through that, generally it's pretty easy. And we have dogs who walk in and just say, hey, I'm here. Everything yes. is great. <laughs> and you never, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. 24 hours later, hey, this is all fine. We have, have one that came to a new foster about a month ago. And she say, oh, this is so easy. This is so easy. And thinking, okay, you're lucky. You're really lucky. Be glad. Yeah. Um, but most of them do. It, the dogs like Beth, the two she's telling you about, those I think are the hardest two she's had. Um, and they both had, had reasons for it. But mm-hmm. those, were, those were a struggle. Um, Many of mine have been no particular problem after they've gotten past the first week at the most. I've got a really cool Shih Tzu who came to me with lots of bladder stones, and we're still trying to get him to actually go out the, outside and pee now, even though his bladder is comfortable after his surgery. But he got used to that. He lived with uh, Grandma, and yeah, she didn't yeah. know. You know, um, But most of them really are no problem after they or settled in, but that could be a week. It could be a month. Okay. And you know, and I, I appreciate that we have just a, a few minutes left here. I appreciate that, you know, the, the honesty, uh, because obviously you're going to want this to be successful, but I, I appreciate it here on the radio. So folks are able to really get an eye view to say, you know what, I think I might be interested in this. Now for folks that are interested, how, um, how can they contact you? What, what would you direct them to do? And I, and fundraisers, anything like that you got going? Absolutely. Go to our website, which is olddoghaven.org. It's a big, cool website. It'll give you a lot of information. There is a tab for be an ODH home, and it will give you a lot of information. And then you can, um, it gives you an address to email for an application, which is also pretty extensive because it tries to make, make it possible for you to think through what you might be getting into. Do you really want to do this? Will this work for you or not? Um, that's the best way to go. Our, we, you can, of course, always donate on the website. There's yes. lots of ways to do that. Or you can come to our fundraiser on Saturday, which is our 15th anniversary celebration and our K-12 
calendar release party, and our calendar is way cool. It's always very popular, um, at Northwest Sellers in Kirkland. And there's information about that on our website as well. It's fun. That's awesome. And I'm actually going to try to attend uh, attend that. And you know what, folks, please do go and, and give give some money. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be utilized very well. You're going to be helping families. You're going to be helping these pets. And Beth, um, just in about uh, 30 seconds or a minute, what kind of final thoughts would you have to share with someone? You know, I just want to share that you're not alone in this experience. We have a big group of a little over 230 foster homes, and we're a community, and, um, you know, we're all here to support each other through the joys and the sorrows, and it's so worth it. It really is. It's so worth it. Um, and so please um, come out and join us on Saturday, and if you can't join us on our website, you also have the ability to sponsor a dog. You can choose one of our final refuge fosters and, um, you know, sponsor their care and get little updates and thank you cards about them. Oh, yeah. And really, people go to the website because there is a plethora of ways that you can be involved, which which I love because, you know, I'm not in a position to where I can foster, but I'm in a position that I can give some financial support or perhaps there'll be maybe some other ways that that I can give. But definitely that's something that I can do. So folks listening, go to the website olddoghaven.org. Check it out. Um, check out the fundraisers come out on Saturday. Uh, I saw the calendar from last year. It is absolutely adorable. So I know it's going to be a, a great one. Thank you all, Judith. Thank you, Beth, for being here and sharing a little bit that you did. I really appreciate your presence. And um, folks, be gentle with yourself, all right? And be gentle with others. And remember, as Lao Chu says, new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. We'll see you next week.